Alright, hello. Welcome everyone out there, all of you weird people with a capital W, as in the Shakespearean sense of the word. My name is Key Billman, and welcome to The Coven. This is my first episode being recorded for The Coven. I am your new host, and I use they-them pronouns. Now, I myself am not a witch. Uh, my friend, who is a spiritual witch, actually checked in with the universe recently to see if I should um, maybe go down that path, and I was given the hardest pass I have ever gotten by the universe, an enthusiastic no, and I actually feel really good about it. Um, so, however, I was raised female, and I have birthmarks, so I think that that would count me close enough to a witch in some people's perception. Anyway, before we uh, jump in and see what we have brewing in our cauldron today, I just wanted to give a brief trigger warning. Um, if you are the kind of person who thinks that trigger warnings don't matter, you will probably not enjoy this show. So brief trigger warning for discussions of sexism, violence against women, eating disorders, some racism, and transphobia. Because we are talking about the Riot Girl music scene. Now, music is always something that has been deeply personal to me. Um, in fact, uh, the bands that I liked made up the majority of my personality as a child because I didn't have one. Uh, and I, it, it's something that has become really personal to me, particularly in the past year I have been exploring many new types of music. And it ties in with my form of self-expression. Specifically, I am punk and I enjoy several different types of punk music. I'm always happy to learn more about punk music and it just makes me really happy. And when I found out about Riot Girl music, it was exciting. Um, and then I almost immediately found out about some controversies within it. And I would really like to discuss those today. So first, let's define what Riot Girl music is. The Riot Girl movement is a punk subculture that was primarily focused on women contributing to artistic and cultural production themselves. Um, it was an idea that was put out that women need to create something for themselves within the punk space because at the time existence within the punk space was not tailor-made for women. It was tailor-made for men. and women were treated as though they had just wandered in there accidentally, which, you know, isn't great for any community to not feel welcome when you've worked to be a part of it. And um, this was mostly white women who started this, and that's going to be important as we talk about that later on. Um, and for, well, let's, let's start at the very beginning. Um, so the Riot Girl movement began in the 1990s at the um, height of some grunge and other subcultures emerging. Um, and it's, it's pretty evident at the time how male-dominated that scene was. I really like music from that time, and uh, even I am hard-pressed to find um, some well-known female punk singers before you know, um, the big Riot Girl movement started. Um, so it, it was originally coined uh, Girl Riot um, because of this meeting in Olympia, Washington. Um, this was called the Girl Riot in response to sexism in this male-dominated punk scene. Jen Smith actually created the word girl spelled with three R's, um, G-R-R-R-L. <laughs> I can't count. 
Um, so Jen Smith actually created the word girl to reject this idea of women as weak or frail because um, the punk scene is so focused on, you know, just breaking down barriers that, I mean, a lot of men had made the argument that women were too weak to be welcome in the punk scene, and so this spelling of the word was meant to counteract that. Eventually, um, this small community moved on to become a staple of the punk scene. Like, if you look for subgenres of punk, now it's one of the most well-known. There were festivals held where there were just Riot girl bands, weekly meetings for some, and um, lots of clubs. It was just a subculture that was focused on inclusion above all else, but that kind of turned against it as time went on. Um, this, this subculture really grew with zines, or zines. I, I, I looked this up because I wanted to get this right before this episode, um, and I say it's zines because, you know, it's, it's spelled magazines. Well, it said magazines, but I've heard a lot of people call them zines. It doesn't matter. Um, these were homemade publications with, like, limited circulation. Um, these are, uh, if you've seen the, um, at Ball State a while ago, um, I believe it was at Ball State, there was a comic book, uh, it may not have been here at all, memories, extremely fallible, but um, there was a history of comics exhibit that I went to that had many zines um, that were comics of the punk subculture and that kind of spoke to um, things that weren't allowed in the general newspaper or weren't meant to be talked about in the general public because they were considered too vulgar or they were considered not accessible enough and so they were therefore just sort of not talked about. Um, and that uh, led to the growth of larger subcultures. In fact, um, a few zines that I saw were just focused on um, including LGBTQ people in comics and like telling their stories and um, those grew to the point that some of those people became famous artists and it's just it's nice to see. I've wanted to make my own for some time um, but I don't know what it would be about because I have too many interests because I have an urge to be good at everything. Now um, these specific fanzines were um, they zines started in the punk zines uh, the punk scene, <laughs> the punk scene in the 1970s, um, and uh, obviously that wasn't the first time zines had ever been used, but it was when they started to become more popular, and um, they were used in lots of different subcultures to avoid censorship, um, because, you know, it's great when you're able to get out a larger word um, to, you know, to create a sense of community, but sometimes you just want to get out word within your community and also it, it sometimes it's not worth it for the amount of cutting down that people need to do. Um, so these sort of, and specifically the ones in um, the Riot Girl movement, these zines would uh, discuss um, sexual assault, eating disorders, um, societal expectations for women, and using these zines were uh, to just talk about things that were not often talked about. Um, still not often enough talked about, in uh, my opinion. Um, it is really easy to spout slogans. It certainly is easy to spout slogans. It's easy to memorize them. I am a big fan of memorization. One of my majors is theater. I need to be a big fan of memorization. But um, being able to argue one's point is 
becoming a dying art, and I'm not, I'm not a fan. Um, but using these zines to connect with other people and to make sure that they knew that their stories were heard, this was a punk scene that was focused on simultaneously tearing things down and building people back up. And that's why I was so drawn to it when I first learned about its existence. And um, I grew up in a household that had never been like a stranger to punk, but my parents were also biased of the place and time that they grew up in. Um, they also grew up in Indiana, so they don't know too much about the riot girl scene. My mom knows about like Courtney Love, but we shouldn't talk about her or I might get enraged. So um, instead I'm going to move on um, to the most important part of the subculture uh, in most people's opinions, which is in fact the music. Now um, punk women have been around as long as the punk movement, obviously. Um, in fact, I, of course, uh, being punk is all about lifting up the marginalized, so if anything women should have more of a space <laughs> in the punk movement and more of a, um, not more of a space, that was the wrong phrasing. They should have just as much of a space but be more attentively listened to um, than maybe, you know, any cis straight white men. Just, just, just a theory. A game theory. Um, can we get copyrighted for that? I don't know. I hope not. Anyway. So music as the cornerstone of this subculture was extremely important because um, women have been making this punk music but they were getting ignored um, because the music wasn't as... how do I say this? Um, it wasn't as universally enraged, I suppose. Um, and uh, it was specifically a lot of Riot girl music was specifically anti-patriarchal and anti-racist, um, which uh, quite a few songs used specific interactions as like a building block to talk about larger issues. Um, there are uh, something that you uh, will likely notice within quite a few um, like riot girl movements and just uh, punk movements in general are really um, long titles about something that seems hyper-specific but speaks to something larger and um, that was definitely there was that definitely fits in here. Um, so just some examples of some of the most famous uh, Riot Girl bands like Bikini Kill, La Tigre, um, Bratmobile, The Gossip, and Heavens to Betsy. If you've heard of the Riot Girl movement you've probably heard of these. Um, they are the most well-known and um, for example, some of the most famous songs in the Riot Girl movement were uh, Terrorist by Heavens to Betsy, which protested against um, violence against women, Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill, um, which was specifically about rejecting labels placed on women in society, which um, <laughs> I could tell you a thing or two about, um, and Standing in the Way of Control by The Gossip, which was just um, anger towards restrictions on same-sex marriage. I don't know why I said just. That is a very justified anger. Maybe I meant just in the sense of being morally right. I don't know. The subconscious works in mysterious ways. Anyway, as wonderful as the Riot Girl subculture is, um, there is a larger discussion that needs to be had about it. Um, and this discussion has been being had on um, multiple social media platforms, um, most famously TikTok. 
Yes. Um, I, uh, uh, that was actually where um, I first heard of, um, where I first really got into more Riot Girl music and where I had more, uh, where I found other people that were interested in it and were willing to give me recommendations. Um, and then I just as quickly found out who I maybe should not support. Um, you know, if there is uh, no ethical consumption under capitalism, I can at least make it somewhat ethical. Um, and I don't like supporting TERFs. Uh, yes, so there are many controversies within the Riotcore movement um, because, lest we not forget, bigoted behavior is not limited to men. Um, it is not limited to uh, white people, and um, it's, it's upsetting to see it ignored for that exact reason. The Riot Girl movement has had a problem with intersectionality, which I just think is sad because it was something based on inclusion, but the inclusion and the lifting up of women's voices who were so passionate about this in doing so and in building each other up so so passionately many other people were left behind most of the time the um, exclusion in the riot girl movement is not overt it's just it, it's quiet um, things that could be brushed away with plausible deniability that doesn't make them okay, not by any means, but, um, yeah. So, uh, we are going to get into some somewhat heavier stuff, just to, just, uh, giving you a warning beforehand. Um, there has been a lot of transphobia in the Riot Girl scene. So I know that TERFs have been discussed on this podcast before, um, and, uh, just to make my stance clear on that, uh, I don't like them. I do not like them. They, um, they suck. Uh, I don't just say that because I myself am uh, non-binary. I think that um, we owe, we in the LGBT community, but also people in the punk community in general, owe so much to trans people, and it's sad to see them left in the dust. The trans community makes up so much of the punk community, and to see that exclusion take place when trans people could speak on extremely punk themes so easily. It's just upsetting to see. And when I joined the punk movement, which, I, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't send in a resume and get my certificate back. Um, I, I, I would have appreciated it if I could do that, because then I wouldn't um, worry so often about if I was a real punk or not. That's just, you know, um, uh, whatever. We don't need to discuss my um, wavering sense of identity. Um, but when I joined the punk community, I, I wanted, I worried so often about whether or not I was a real punk because I was afraid that I wasn't doing enough to invite other people in or listen to people or make sure that they were heard. And I think that, I don't know, that's just something that's incredibly important to me is making sure that people are heard and making sure that they know that their voice has a value to me. And especially since um, I have tried to step up my activism, seeing such hypocrisy is disheartening. 
Um, I sound like I'm going to cry. I promise I'm not. I am just chronically dehydrated. Maybe having a podcast will make me um, actually drink water for once. Anyway, um, turfs suck, and I hate them. JK Rowling is my enemy eternal. And, um, yeah, no, I should leave it there. I might get angry. So, Kathleen Hanna. She was lead singer of Bikini Kill and La Tigre. And um, she is most famous for making us question who, in fact, took the bomb from the bomb blomp blomp. Um, and so if you are on TikTok, you have likely heard um, the, uh, you've likely heard that very song. And um, so you know how, how successful she was. And um, you'll know what a defining part she took in the community. So she performed at Mishfest. Mishfest? It's Michigan, so it should be Mishfest. It looks like it says Mickfest. I don't know. Um, phonics are so strange. Uh, she performed at Mishfest many times, and this was a Riot Girl festival, but it was a Riot Girl festival specifically for women born women only. And that is just an ugly thing to see. It is... It's something that, um... When I read about this for the first time, I was so unfortunately unsurprised. But, um, I was also just so disappointed. I, I found myself thinking that way about many people that if not, I used, if I didn't used to idolize, um, I used to have an idolization problem. It's not that prescient anymore. But um, when I first read this, I, I've just gotten so used to just taking it in stride <laughs> when people that I used to admire, if I didn't admire their character, because, you know, I don't know them personally, I at least admired their talents. It's just sad to see talent go to waste with such ill intent and particularly in a scene that is supposed to be all about inclusion and breaking down the ill intent towards fellow man that got strangely uh it sounds like it should be on a christmas card um peace towards fellow men um but yeah <laughs> so Every, well, when, uh, when Kathleen Hanna was actually um, asked about this and informed, because, you know, sometimes people aren't uh, truly informed about things that they sign on to. They should be, but they're not, they're not always. Um, people don't always read contracts, you know, or they hire people to do it for them. Uh, when she was informed of how harmful this could be and how trans women were being barred out of Mishfest, um, she continued to perform there. It doesn't, um, I, I don't think Mishfest is continuing, which, you know, thank goodness. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a doubling down that was, um, it, it, nothing needed to be said. <laughs> uh, so, and moving on to, um, the zines, um, is, uh, Radarka, this, uh, Swedish riot girl zine, um, that preached a lot of turf talking points. And I think that this is particularly dangerous because as much as I disapprove of TERFs being given a platform, 
I specifically disapprove of TERFs being given a platform that is so important to a small group of people. Being given a platform that is specifically for a small group of people that are very devoted to what comes from that platform, that want something so specific that they have subscribed to a small self-published magazine. Sometimes these magazines were written in pen and just put on a photocopier. <laughs> so if you are so devoted to wanting something so specific that you will just consume every bit of it that you can get, and I am that way, um, that is likely more because of my neurodivergence than anything else, but I also have an extremely passionate nature, and I am punk, so I understand that. Um, of wanting to devote yourself so wholly to something, when you find something that means a lot to you, wanting to consume every single bit of it, it is dangerous when that has dangerous messages. Messages that may not sound dangerous, particularly when they're um, embedded in other things. Uh, like, such as J.K. Rowling's talking points, a lot of people who have read J.K. Rowling's talking points have said things like, um, why would you think that that's transphobic? Because trans people are so used to seeing transphobia embedded in nicer comments, it, it's, it's like second nature to find them. And it's, it's very dangerous when a small devoted group consumes those kinds of things. Um, we saw this on uh, some YouTube platforms such as, um, yeah, I'm not going to say his name because uh, he also affected my life, but if you know who I'm talking about, my condolences. Um, and we've just seen how, how much harm this can cause. And to know that a Riot girl zine, particularly a smaller one, um, was so devoted to turf talking points, it is understandable how it rocked through the community like it did, and how it penetrated such a small community, originally a small community, much larger now. But it's, it's easy to understand, and it's hard to blame people when they're vulnerable, but we also need to hold them accountable. Um, there's, there's, there, there's definitely um, trans riot girls. I'm not saying that there aren't. Um, in fact, that's why Mishfest sucked so much, was because those trans riot girls were not given a space in the movement. Um, but there is so, so much riot girl music against sexism, and there is so little that is easily found um, that are by supporting, talking about the individual experiences of trans women. And because this music is so heavily experience-based and um, are usually about specific moments that a lot of women can relate to, I think that that is just an artistic loss to not have that available, to not be able to find a song that moves you as much as another Riot Girl song might. It's just might move another person. It is just disheartening to see um, because there are so many possibilities within this movement and um, intersectionality opens up so many more possibilities and it is disappointing to see those opportunities wasted. 
Speaking of um, intersectionality, there has also been racism in the Riot Girl movement. There have been racism in a lot of punk movements, although I would argue if you're transphobic or racist, you're not really punk, and you are, in fact, deluding yourself. But there has been marked racism in the Riot Girl movement. Now, part of me thinks that um, these things, uh, specifically racism, is called out a little bit more in this movement because, you know, misogyny, and um, people like to find things that are wrong with this movement, but... Um, because I've seen the transphobia and racism talked about in the Riot Girl movement much more than any other punk scene. That said, because it started out smaller, knowing that it's so present means that there's likely a higher saturation. And that is also disappointing. So the Riot Girl movement began, as I said earlier, in a primarily white underground. Um, if you heard the rattling, it is the chains hanging off of my pants, uh, moving in the chair. But this... Uh, this movement began in a mostly white underground, as it started in Washington, Olympia specifically, and it stayed there. Um, a lot of people of color were, were not part of bands and were treated more as accessories. Um, and that is just... it's gross. <laughs> There's nothing else. It's pretty disgusting to see. Um, and a lot of the anti-racist messaging um, is just incredibly lukewarm, I suppose. Um, I myself am a Star Trek fan. Um, God knows why. Uh, but I myself am a Star Trek fan, and a lot of the messages in those episodes, while I know they were groundbreaking for the time, watching today is just somewhat laughable. Like, I see an episode in which the most profound thing it says is sexism bad, and um, while I agree, I, I don't think I would be allowed to host this if I didn't. While I agree, um, it's also just not, it's not enough. It wasn't enough then, it was all people were willing to talk about, but it still wasn't enough. It wasn't enough then, and it's not enough now. And for people in the Riot Girl movement in particular to just say racism bad was not, it, it wasn't enough. And keep in mind, they are not, this is something against censorship. They could say more, and they should be giving a platform to people who could say more based on personal experiences, uh, but they didn't. And, you know, that's just not... Uh, I had the sudden urge to say not the vibe, but I don't want to say that about racism. It was just disgusting. And um, seeing as the bands were overwhelmingly white, there was no one there to talk about personal experiences, which was such a hallmark of their music and the subjects that they talked about that it was just... It, there wasn't enough. A lot of people of, co of color just didn't feel welcome in this movement as well. It wasn't nearly as, like, outright exclusionary um, as some of the transphobia, but um, it was still just... It wasn't, it wasn't welcome. Have you ever gone somewhere and um, felt like you didn't want to talk to anyone, not just because you weren't in the mood, but because you could feel an overwhelming sensation that no one there wanted to talk to you or listen to you? I cannot imagine the, how much that feeling must have been multiplied for women at this time. Um, Lena Dawes um, wrote an excellent a uh, piece about this, um, I believe it was called uh, 
I why I wasn't a riot girl. Um, talking about how she actually she wanted to be a punk and she was a punk, but she didn't feel at home specifically in the riot girl movement because her race came in her eyes, her race came first. Um, she actually, within um, this piece, she said, I also remembered being more fearful of being assaulted because I was black than because I was a young woman. I would have almost begged to be seen as a woman back then, but my ethnicity trumped my gender. And because ethnicity was not discussed nearly as much in the movement, she didn't feel welcome because because it just wasn't raised to the same heights as discussions on gender were. And while I think both are definitely discussions worth having, um, it, it's just, it's sad to know that somebody who could have been there for the birth of a subculture that helped so many didn't feel safe there. In a subculture that was born of a necessity for safety, she could not feel safe there. And I, I can't imagine how she felt, um, and I am, once again, for the <laughs> umpteenth time, reminded of the amount of privilege that I have to never have to know. Now, how do we take all of this information? Um, now, I take this information, uh, I take it all in, and I, 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 I still enjoy Riot Girl music, specifically, um, Smaller artists, I, I always love lifting up smaller artists, but you know, within the punk community, smaller artists, smaller artists are the building block of the punk community. So I think it's important to keep supporting the Riot Girl movement because I think that it is more than possible to let it heal and to to make it become better. The Riot Girl community is not is not beyond repair. It is not like fundamentally broken. It just has a lot of doors that could and should have been opened a long time ago closed off. And I think that there's a discussion worth having about, you know, moving forward with this. So, I, I mean, I, I've always been somebody who enjoys media while still looking at it with a critical eye. Um, I've seen far more James Bond movies than I care to admit. Um, and I had a conversation with a family member. There was a, a James Bond movie on, and um, something incredibly racist happened. Let's leave it at that. Something incredibly racist happened, and um, he, my family member said, um, I don't, well, they couldn't do that today. And I said, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't have done it back then either. And he took on sort of a, um, what, so I can't enjoy anything more, anymore attitude? Um, and we had a conversation that I hope one day leads to a greater conversation because this conversation didn't go as many places as I wish it could have gone. We had a conversation about um, media that we are critical of, of which are, we are critical st still being enjoyed. And um, I thoroughly enjoy the James Bond movies, not because they're good, um, I would hardly say that, um, but I thoroughly enjoy quite a few of the James Bond movies while knowing that they are, they could have been actively harmful, and they may have been actively harmful to people that really wanted to see themselves represented and then saw nothing but the frailest stereotypes. And 
I recognize that they are harmful, and I, I don't condone it, but I still enjoy the media, and I don't choose to pretend that it never happened. I think that's very important discussing the Riot Girl movement. Because the Riot Girl movement has begun a healing process, particularly um, as uh, it has experienced a resurgence in the past few years, um, it is just... It's disappointing not just to see people um, talking about uh, only the most surface-level problems in the community, but ignoring them and acting like they never happened. Or if not acting like they never happened, acting like they don't need to be discussed anymore because those times are past. I think it is important for everyone and everything to remember their roots. If you go down to Roots and Muncie, there is a whole Victor Hugo quote on the wall about that. If any of my friends are listening, you can check off on your key bingo card. Key mentioned the Victor Hugo quote on the wall at Roots. Um, but remembering your roots is incredibly important in any movement. But in a movement that is fraught with problems, I think that it's even more important because the punk community and the Riot Girl community especially are built on the act of solving problems, on the act of collaboration to break things down in order to rebuild. And I don't think, I think that it is very hypocritical when members of the community aren't willing to look inside themselves to do the very same. I have not always held the best opinions or beliefs because I was not taught the best opinions or beliefs. When I am only given one point of view, when anyone is only given one point of view, and that is all that they know, they are likely to believe that. However, if one is given more opportunities to learn and more opportunities to grow if they are presented with other options, there's much greater chance that they will choose something else. And I think that the Riot Girl community growing and learning is just as, an, just as important a part of their history as are the problems in their history. And I think that it is also a good thing to remember, speaking of um, going back to uh, the semi-ethical consumption under capitalism, uh, I think that it's important to consider what musician you're supporting. Um, I would not recommend supporting uh, Kathleen Hanna uh, as much as I love Decepticon and as much as I love, I know many other people love Decepticon and other songs by La Tigre and uh, Bikini Kill. It, it may not be worth it. And I don't, I'm not telling you that you can't listen to this music. Of course I'm not telling you that. That would be ridiculous. But I think of it as a wonderful opportunity to look for people who could speak to experiences that while they may not be like your own and these experiences may not at all be your own, the, there's a truth in them that could resonate with you. And I think that musicians that are able to do that are truly talented and given an opportunity to find more music like that, I, I think that I, I would consider myself lucky. Now, um, there's actually, uh, things are looking up in the Riot Girl community. There's, um, specifically on, uh, TikTok, 
I have mentioned that word three times more than I thought I would in this episode. Specifically on TikTok and other social media communities, there are, uh, there are thriving communities that are based around healing the scene. Um, and that are, there are smaller communities that are focused on being more inclusive riot girls and those smaller communities that are beginning on social media, people being able to find each other, they don't need zines now. They have more access to the history of their movement. They have more than one perspective. They have more than one platform. Um, and they have far more, uh, they have far greater access to music. They don't have to travel across the country to get this music. And um, they don't have to unknowingly support people or go to festivals that don't um, let, that exclude people. They don't have to go to festivals that exclude people just to hear um, some of their favorite people play. It's wonderful to see how this community has evolved and to see social media be able to facilitate that is just, you know, it's nice. <laughs> I, um, I did not have social media for a very long time. Um, because I believed that um, I, uh, I was not like other girls, so um, I didn't think that I needed it. And uh, I found out pretty quickly, once getting social media, that I was like a lot of people by trying not to be like other girls. And um, then I found out that I wasn't a girl. Uh, <laughs> so um, social media's done a lot for the Riot Girl movement, and I'm just, I'm glad to hear what, uh, I'm glad, I'm excited to see, and hear, there's a lot of music in the Riot Girl movement, I'm excited to see what it can do next. Um, but, uh, moving forward, um, I, a couple trans Riot Girls, uh, that you should probably support, um, uh, the band She, Her, Hers is a pop-punk band, um, and uh, if pop-punk is more your vibe, you would probably enjoy She, Her, Hers. And Tears for the Dying is more of a goth-leaning punk band, but um, both of those have uh, trans lead singers. And um, there are plenty more that uh, you can look for. Um, if you want to learn more about this, um, I would suggest uh, looking up that Lena Dawes, uh, Why I Wasn't a Riot Girl essay. Um, I don't want to give you homework on my very first episode. Oh no, you're not going to like me. Um, <laughs> I'm like that awful substitute teacher. Um, well, I think that, uh, it, it would be a good idea just to read that if you, um, wanted to hear about somebody else's experiences other than your own. Um, because that has historically been what this community is about. And I think that that's how it's going to move forward. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, it's a little shorter than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I am just, I I'm very excited to see what I'm able to do with this podcast. And um, that sounded um, oddly Machiavellian. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm very excited to see what I'm able to learn and um, what topics I'm able to explore with this podcast. Because, like many people who run a podcast, I am verbose. <laughs> and hopefully I can get some of my rambling energy out here. Um, and uh, I, I hope that people are going to be 
excited to listen. Um, so I am afraid that uh, I don't have too much social media. I have been instructed to make a Twitter, and I need to do so. Um, I, I think that one of the reasons I've been avoiding making a tw Twitter is because um, I'm afraid that I'm going to allow every single thought that enters my pea brain out into the world, and that might not be a good idea. So I, I will I will leave you know the moment that I get Twitter. If anybody is interested, uh, let me know what you want to learn about, what you want to hear, what kind of perspectives you uh, want to hear from, and uh, I, I'd be more than happy. I love learning about things. I love learning about things specifically um, if I'm not in the community uh, that I'm going to be talking about, or if I'm not interested in something, I love learning about it. I cannot tell you the amount of video essays I have watched on the absolute most random topic. Um, but I love doing research, so please let me know what you would like to hear. Um, the uh, I'm going to go ahead and shout out Byte's social media. Shameless plug for Byte. Um, I haven't been part of Byte very long, but um, yeah, Ball State Byte is, uh, they were the ones who were either smart enough or not smart enough to give me this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, everybody stay safe. Uh, you can hear me next time. I will see you next time. Um, I'm currently looking at my backpack in the chair, so if you want to imagine yourself sitting where that is, I am giving you finger guns as a, as a means to uh, gently push you out the door. I'm not always great at social cues. Um, so I will see you next time, proverbially, and everybody stay safe, um, and you know, Farewell. <laughs>